Welcome back, Explorers. I'm David, that's Wesley, and this is the Trailcast. The show that gets so far off track, you'll have to stick around and see just where we end up. Because today, we're heading back to a galaxy far, far away. That's right, today we're talking about Star Wars Episode 2, Attack of the Clones. Wesley, I know I just watched Attack of the Clones, and I know you just watched Attack of the Clones. So, real quick, just uh, sum up your thoughts on Attack of the Clones, and then we'll go and dive into more detail about the movie. First thoughts probably are, this is definitely one of the weaker weak, weaker of the prequel trilogy. Um, after watching some of the other Star Wars films, uh, it 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 has a better it carries a, a better light uh it carries better now after watching some of like this the prequels or sequels sorry um and uh, uh more or less because it actually has a point and a story to it um we were talking about this just briefly before we started um but i feel like the lowest points was just how much they forced Anakin and Padme's relationship. Uh. And I feel like if they did that better, Attack of the Clones would have been a way better film. Like, I feel like that's the worst part of the film. I think the rest of it went over about as well as the rest of the prequels did. But their relationship is just so forced, so random. Like, it, the only reason their relationship is there and their love interest is there is because it has to be for Luke and Leia to have parents later on like mm. and they could have done it in a better way I feel like but they didn't and you know we have Attack of the Clones one of the poorly rated Star Wars films but it had good aspects to it too and it had you know obviously plot development in it that leads you know into episode three and and going forward even into the into the um original trilogy and everything. Yeah, um I'm talking about the all the Anakin and Padme scenes too. I really realize just how robotic some of that dialogue is too. Mm-hmm. Some of those scenes like they I mean, it's so Anakin robotic. Does turn into a robot, so. Well yeah, but I'm talking more so with the <laughs> I, I noticed it more so yeah. with Padme, but um. Yeah. Yeah. Her her acting in that is very stiff. Mm. And and it's not even just the fact that like a lot of people don't like Natalie Portman as an actress. Like I I a lot of it like I've seen her act better than that. She can act, but she she just wasn't act. She was acting very stiff mm. in in that in that role. Um, and like. You know, you even see glimpses of uh, Hayden Christensen, you know, um, in, in some in Attack of the Clones and then some in Revenge of the Sith. More so in Revenge of the Sith, I think. 
Um, but you see like glimpses of, hey, these, this, this is a good actor. But it's like just the dialogue and the way that he has to portray the character of Anakin that really makes him, you know, uh, especially when the movie came out, um, people were hating on him so much. I, the the love for the prequels has come back. And, um, you know, uh, I saw an interview a while back that uh, Ewan McGregor, Ewan McGregor was doing talking about how people just hate the prequels and um but then like more recently he's starting to see more of the love for them and how like you know when they first came out like everyone just seemed to hate them but now mm-hmm. it's like oh well people love the characters they're just aspects that maybe people didn't like of them i mean you and me looking back on them like they're a childhood so obviously we have a lot of nostalgia for them but um I feel like they, there's there's a lot that's wrong with the way that the story or everything was written. But I think you do see glimpses. Like Ewan McGregor, I think, is a great actor. He did a really good job playing Obi-Wan. I think Hayden Christensen did a good job as playing Anakin. There were just a lot of weird and awkward moments that he had to portray in Attack of the Clones specifically. And then, like you said, like uh, Padme was very robotic, like, I would agree with that and the fact that she seemed very stiff in a lot of like like it seemed like they were just sitting there reading a script as opposed to, mm. you know, portraying the characters that they were, you know. And it's kind of weird to think about like this movie, especially like, the you know, everyone talks about how bad the acting is, which in places it's I think it's more so the dialogue, but there is bad acting in it, too. Yeah. But yeah, you also get. You also think about this, like think about all the actors who are in the in these movies. Like Ewan McGregor is a great actor. Uh, Christopher mm-hmm. Lee, like I, yes. I don't mean, I don't think I don't think any of the Dooku scenes were bad, but still, like it, you know, this movie is Christopher Lee and Samuel L. Jackson Ian and hmm? Ian McDermott. Uh, yeah. most of his his scenes were pretty. He he had very uh, few scenes in this as compared to um, uh, the Phantom Menace, and then even compared to um. Uh, Revenge of the Sith, but like you could even tell, and this is why I think like there are certain people and that are just kind of above the realm of you know in that class of like they're just a better actor than you know most. Where it's like a lot of the lines, like even Dooku probably had some lines that were a little off, a little cheesy maybe, but the way he portrayed them, it didn't come across that way. Same with I think some of uh, I was watching one of the scenes where um. Palpatine and um, Anakin were talking and the lines were maybe a little cheesy, but it didn't come across that way because of the way that it was portrayed in the scene, yeah. you know? And so like, uh, but yeah, I mean like there's, they're obviously, like you said, there, there are obviously good actors in the movies, but that doesn't shield them completely from being in a bad movie with bad acting. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. But another thing I want to do is, uh, Earlier today, I actually um, stumbled across the... There's like 15 minutes worth of deleted scenes from Attack of the Clones mm. that are like fully that are like fully complete scenes. I don't know why they didn't add a lot of those, like keep a lot of those in the movie. Like, I guess they wanted to trim down the runtime, but like there were even some uh, Anakin and Padme scenes. Like they went to, when they were on Naboo, they went to go see mm. or went to... Uh, Anakin and Padme went to Padme's or go see Padme's family, 
mm-hmm. some of those scenes were actually re- like a lot better act. Had a lot better acting than the scenes that made it into the movie. So I'm like, I don't know why some of those scenes got deleted. They also had a lot more with uh, Obi Wan too, like investigating the um the Camino and Dark. Camino and yeah, yeah. And uh, uh, that being said, oh, go ahead. And they also had a scene where um, when Obi Wan was in the library, and he was looking at a bust of Dooku and uh, I forgot, I forgot what her name is. Um, um, the librarian Jedi. Yeah, I I know who you're talking about. Um, um, I used to know her name. I was just, I was li- I was literally just talking to Sarah about her last night because I I was talking about how how uh much of a um stuck up nose she was, you know. Yeah. Um, but uh, but anyway, so she she came up to uh Obi Wan as a uh, he was looking at the this bust of Dooku and they and mm-hmm. they were talking about Dooku. Yeah, I've and seen so that you, one before. So you get a little bit more dialogue. Uh, you get a little bit more um, stuff about who Dooku was, because like you know they do mention it in passing, but they don't. Yes, yes, mm. yes. But um, like I said, you do get some dialogue about who Dooku was, you know, pre Attack of the Clowns, but you don't yeah. get um, you don't get much. Like I, said, I I think that scene would have been a. Uh, good to keep in to kind of build up that character a little bit more. Much better, because much better use of time. Because when you think about it too, they didn't like Dooku barely has any like on screen time in the prequels. Yeah, I mean, he, Most... uh, what was I was watching? I was watching something today, and it was talking about how he doesn't even appear in the movie until after like an hour of runtime. Mm-hmm. And then he and then he dies almost immediately in Revenge of the Sith. Yeah. Now but, I do uh, want to get back to the I do want to get back to the character of Dooku, but I do want to mention this with you talking about deleted scenes. Um, the fact that they deleted certain scenes that you you know you've seen you said you do, you watched about with Anakin and Padme that were somewhat better acted, but they left in the uh, the pair scene. Where he he forces the pair over to his plate, he cuts it, and then forces it back to her, and like bad mm-hmm. CGI that you see with all that. Mm-hmm. And like I was watching it, and like there were so many of their scenes that just like like that one, that one in particular, but there are a couple others where I was just like, "There's no point to this. There's no. This is not further the plot any. It's really just cringy, and it doesn't even like develop their relationship." I was just like, "Why was this kept in?" You know, but um, that aside, we can uh go all over their uh um acting at you know another time um, but uh talking about Dooku um, I I've recently um I think I mentioned this I don't know if I mentioned it on the podcast but I mentioned it to you at one point that uh I'd uh recently listened to um the Plagueis novel I think mm-hmm. I did. Well, I listened to the playoffs now. I think I told you. I don't know. I talked to too many people. I don't think too you much mentioned going on the podcast, but I think you did mention that to me. Okay. Well, in that, it, it, it goes, you know, through the, the events of a lot of stuff heading up to, you know, um, well, it's about Plagueis, and Plagueis dies after Palpatine becomes Chancellor. So it leads up into the middle of Phantom Menace. And um, so there's, there's points in that where Palpatine and Dooku have their 
their talks. They have gotten down talks. And um, I told you that I finished Tales of the Jedi Day. Just sat down and watched it. And um, in that, they dive a lot into Dooku. And um, I mentioned to Sarah last night when we were watching Attack of the Clones, I said, when you look at it from Dooku's side of things, like, he went about it in a bad way, obviously. But what he did was somewhat justifiable because what was his goal in, in, you know, joining the dark side, starting the separatists, his goal was to tear down the corruption of the Republic, you know, Mm. like it wasn't out of a bad place. Like he, you know, the first episode uh, with Dooku and tales of the Jedi, he confronts a Senator and is protecting the people who, kidnapped that senator's son but it's because of the corruption that that senator uh portrayed in the senate you know like he didn't care about his people and that's why the people that he governed were in this you know state um i I know like it's a case-by-case basis but um a lot of times like it's seen that honestly under the empire the galaxy was in a much more and somewhat a better place not everywhere, but in some places we're in, we're in better states than they were under even the Republic and definitely um, than they were under the New Republic after uh, the fall of the Empire. But, um, like, there was just a bunch of corruption in the Senate, and that was what Dooku had a problem with. He also had a problem with the um, corruption within the Jedi Council and within the Jedi Order, which, you know, is what ends up being the reason that Anakin falls to the dark side, you know? Uh-huh. So. Yeah. With Dooku, I think Dooku originally, you know, originally had good motives. I think he got corrupted over time, but yeah, I think originally he had good motives. Um, now I will say now, um, this is not something that like, I, I, I've, in the past, I've gotten into legends before. I used to know a lot of legends about the old Republic, about the old like Sith Order, stuff like that. I used to know a lot about that, but like I didn't know a whole lot of the, the legends material that came in between the like one through six stuff. Um, but uh, one of the episodes of uh, Tales of the Jedi dives into Yaddle, right, mm-hmm. and Recently, I I have actually I I came across the legend story of Yaddle and how she you know why she wasn't in episode two and she was in episode one and how she like she died and it was uh, something along the lines of I think she uh, she like sacrificed sacrificed herself to save Anakin on some mission or something like that I think is how it ended up going um and in this Dooku kills her I'm not sure how I feel about that. You know, not just because I don't think Dooku was at a point in that at that time to kill another Jedi. I also feel like it makes the way that he left the order much more different than like it seems it should be explained in continuity, you know, Mm. like, you know, he they're going to find out that Yaddle's dead. And they're going to come, like, they just kind of left the story there, but, like, there would be investigations into the, into what happened with Yaddle, and there would be, 
they they somehow come along to the conclusion that, oh Dooku ended up killing her. But then that makes the start of episode two where the Jedi are even defending Dooku, saying, Oh no, Dooku's not Dooku was once a Jedi like us. Like he would never he would never uh, attempt to kill a senator, you know, when Padme mm-hmm. accuses Dooku of being behind the plot. And it's like but if he, you know, because he left the order, he like he he went and said, "Hey, I'm leaving the order." You know, he told them and he left. Mm. And then he got entangled in a bunch of the the separatist stuff. Like he didn't turn to the dark side from the order. I feel like it makes it a little bit more like in my mind, it doesn't fit. You know, I don't know what your opinion on it is, but um, I feel like. It just seems kind of out of the blue for him, especially in that state in the way that they've been showing him, for him to end up killing Yaddle at that point in time. Yeah. Another thing that, uh, this got kind of off topic with talking about Dooku, but, uh, another thing that I was kind of like, kind of realized didn't make sense is it so. I know ultimately the, the plot to kill Padme can you know you can trace it back to Palpatine, mm-hmm. but it didn't make much sense to me that Newt Gunray was like at all adamant about killing Padme because you know it made it made it seem like they wanted to kill Padme because of her like the way she was voting in the Senate, but. She was the one who didn't, who was against the creation of an army for the Republic. And you'd think any for, any like, you think the separatists who were trying to build an army to take over the Republic or to, uh, you know, get their demands met or whatever, you'd think they wouldn't want in the Republic to have an army. So that, hmm. that, that right there didn't really make, that right there didn't really make much sense to me, but, I hadn't really thought about that. That does that does make sense. Like, why would you know they they're on opposite sides here? Why would they be opposed to someone uh, voting against an army? Yeah, that's true, huh? I mean, I guess it can go back to Newt Gunray, like in the whole stuff with the in episode one when uh like maybe he still holds a a grudge for them you know, ruining their play his plans at, at for Naboo, but. Yeah. Yeah. But but it did seem it did seem very much like it was more a political thing than it was like a grudge, like in the way yeah. it was portrayed. So that yeah, so that I, that brings it back to your point, which then again still doesn't make sense. Yeah. So I, I I don't know what I don't know if there's an explanation or anything about that, but uh like I said, you know, it makes sense that Padme or uh, Palpatine wanted Padme dead so the arm or so the Republic could uh get an army because he wanted a war but yeah well actually and this goes back to palpatine's grand scheme do you really think it was um that he wanted her dead like how would it have gone if padme had ended up dying because at that point then palpatine wouldn't have padme as like bait or manipulation to manipulate anakin to the dark side like yes his mother's death was the instigator that really started his decline to the dark side. But Padme was like 
the reason he ended up turning in the, in the end. That that is a good point. Yeah, I, I don't because like the the way that the way that the story goes, you know, and and they go to Naboo because of the threats on Padme's life. So do you think it was maybe more of a thing where he wanted to initiate those those hits on her so that she would end up retreating to Naboo, causing Jar Jar Binks, probably a less sophisticated mind, easier to manipulate, uh, you know, into giving him emergency powers. Then he has emergency powers. He can, you know, call in for the clone army. Then all of a sudden the clone army's there. And then, then they're, you know, the defeat of the Jedi is, you know, whenever he feels like it. Like, as soon as he feels it's necessary, he can get all the Jedi killed out. Killed off. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Obviously, I mean, there's a lot more detail, I think, there than you or I, either one, can kind of break down or see through. But, I don't know, it was just mm-hmm. thought. Also, another thing I want to point out is, uh, we were talking about acting earlier. One scene that I think Ewan McGregor does an amazing job acting is the um, when he's uh, talking to the Prime Minister of Kamino. Uh huh. I had I had this pointed out. He's like that whole scene. Obi Wan looks confused as heck because he. You know, like, oh yeah. I was like, even thinking like, like the um, like not even just on the acting side of it, but the acting. That Obi Wan had to do in that scenario because you know Obi Wan was confused, but he you know tried to keep it all together so that he could get more information, you know. Mm-hmm. But I think that just shows like, like I don't know. Uh, the more and more stuff that's come out in recent years with things related to the Jedi and the Jedi Order really makes it show like just how much of a quote unquote police force that they are. Like they do investigations and stuff like that. And like, you know, it kind of shows even more so you look in that you look at that scene with that in mind, and it's like, oh, yeah, they're you know, he's running an investigation here. He's trying to, you know, yeah, he's a little bit confused, but he has to weed through it. And like everything he said falls in line. Like Sometimes it doesn't make quite sense, but like, as a viewer, you know he's taken aback by the fact the clone army was made. But like, if you're in the universe right there, as like, you know, the, um, the, uh, what do they call them? Um, the Kaminoans? Well, what's the, what's the head one called? Prime Minister. Prime Minister? Um, uh, you know, the prime minister there, like, responding to his questions, like, it doesn't seem off, like, even though he seems to be taken aback by, like, Sifo-Dyas, it's just, oh, hey, sifo is dead, but, that being the case, let me still take a look at this army. Like, it still makes sense within the conversation. Hmm. Yeah. It's also kind of a, um... Now, another character I want to talk about, too, is uh, Jango Fett. Mm-hmm. It's always kind of confused, or kind of been interesting to me, like, how Boba Fett in, like, the fandom is so loved, but no one really cares about Jango Fett. Yeah. I mean, 
part of that has to yep. do with the fact that in the original trilogy, well, part, well, part of it is he's is Boba Fett's from the original trilogy, but but it's also the fact that in the original trilogy, you don't really know anything about Boba Fett. Yeah, like a lot of mystery. Got, he's got like three or four lines of dialogue. He, you know, he's just this, uh, you know, mysterious character. He's just, he's just there. But you know, you know yeah. Jango Fett, you know, he's got a lot more like story around him in in the in the movie. They honestly, uh, besides the fact that Jango has a lot more story around him, they probably honestly have around the same amount of screen time. <laughs> yeah, Jango more, but I mean, mm-hmm. he doesn't have that much more. And, J- and Django has definitely has a lot more uh, dialogue. Yeah, a bit more dialogue there. Even though um, Boba's in te- technically in four movies, if you count, you know, Little Boba and Attack of the Clones. <laughs> yeah. But uh, four movies. Oh wait, it'd be Attack of the Clones, and then no, it is, it is five just and three. six, right? It is just yeah. three. Yeah. I don't know why I was adding four four in there. <laughs> Got me confused. I was like, "Am I missing something?" I mean, I guess you could add in like the what is? Isn't he in like the Christmas special or something like that? I, I've never seen it before. I don't think we, it's we, we don't that's talk easily about Christmas accessed. special. We don't. Talk I don't think about it's something Christmas that's special. easily accessed anymore. But um, yeah. Anyways, we'll move on real quick from that. Um, but yeah, I, I don't really know. Let's say like, because I mean, to be honest, Django Fed is probably one of the better parts of the movie. You know, like, he probably is one of the better parts, cooler parts of, of Attack of the Clones, but he is not, you know, uh, the fandom doesn't, I, I don't know how much of it is the fandom doesn't, like, like him, other than the fandom just doesn't really take much notice to him, you know? See, I, I don't think, I don't think Jango Fett's disliked, it's just, like I said, he's just not as, uh... Well, I mean, given this. the given given the option, like people would take Boba Fett over Jango Fett. I mean, that's just yeah. how it is. Now, it's uh, and this has been pointed out before, but I do um think it's a cool thing is that Jango Fett and Boba Fett, uh, within the lines of the six movies, because obviously we know Boba Fett didn't die at the end of uh, um, Return of the Jedi, but within that premise there, they both died quote unquote in the same way because Boba Fett died because of his jetpack malfunction and so did Jango Fett because he was trying to jetpack away from um, uh, Mace Windu and then he got beheaded and uh, it's it's like, you know, when you slow it down and you you, you look at the frames and you see it, like there are sparks and stuff from when he got trampled uh, that kind of fried his his uh jetpack and he can't fly off, you know, because uh, when you fight a Jedi, you don't want to be, you know, on on level ground with them. Like that's not gonna be best for you. But it is kind of nice to, or kind of cool to have the parallelism there. And I don't know. I guess George Lucas at that point probably had just assumed kill off uh uh Boba Fett, but you know they've they've since brought him back in in the book of Boba Fett, um, which. Sadly, was a disappointment. Yeah, um, we we've talked about that before, but um, yes, 
Yeah. I mean, we're on the, we're on the feds right now. So I, I figured it'd be a good time to at least mention it. We don't have to dive into it. We are trying to stick on the main topic of Attack of the Clones. Mm-hmm. With that, with that in mind, though, just to turn right back around and come back to Attack of the Clones. Um, what about the dynamic between Obi-Wan and Anakin in this? I forgot how annoying Anakin is. Yes. <laughs> yes, Master. Sorry, Master. Yes, Master. <laughs> like, I don't, I, I don't know necessarily how it went differently in Revenge of the Sith, but their dynamic is so much better in that than it is in this. Mm-hmm. And I don't know what they figured I, out. I think, but I think they it's partially to do it in because this I think it's partially because Anakin is less whiny and less annoying. Mm-hmm. But yeah, they're, they're, What's their their dynamic. They, is... they leaned they leaned way too much into the whiny side of things when it came to Anakin in Episode Two, whereas in Episode Three he leans a lot more onto the aspect of being very arrogant. Mm-hmm. Like he's a very arrogant Jedi Knight in. Revenge of the Sith, but he has a basis for that arrogance. Like he has a, he, he's he's just you know he's a Jedi Knight and he's a he's a war hero from uh you know the years of of uh, the Clone Wars. You know, like he's he's proven himself, and he has a mm-hmm. basis for all that all the pride that he has. Now, should he have it? You know, maybe maybe not. That doesn't you know within the Jedi. Within the Jedi guidelines, no, he shouldn't. But, um, still, like, they made him way too whiny in episode two. And that's part of the reason that I think the dynamic between him and Padme is so off. Yeah, I don't think Hayden Christensen can do whiny that well. <laughs> no. Well, also, I don't think that whiny was the best decision for. No. Anakin. When you think about it, like, okay, I gave him the benefit of the doubt. And I thought it was kind of a cool thing that, you know, hey, you bring in Annie as a little boy and this guy's supposed to turn into Vader. Like, I thought it was a cool uh, um, poster picture or whatever where it had little Annie walking out and uh, Darth Vader as the shadow on the, on the, um, you know, wall back there. Like, I thought that was a cool thing. But you don't need to have whiny. Like, angry. Upset, yes, but whiny, maybe not. Like that's well, and that's also to to uh, to the scenes where Anakin does get kind of like riled up and stuff in this movie. It's bad because he's also whiny at the same time. Like when he's talking about uh, you know having killed all the the Tuscans. Mm-hmm. That scene probably could have worked if Anakin was less whiny. <laughs> yeah, and more more hate. Uh, you know, more with rage and less with you know the the whininess of it all. Um, or actually, I think that scene could like that dialogue could have worked. worked. Even that same dialogue could have worked if Anakin was just like almost like straight faced monotone, like had almost no emotion when saying it. I think that could have worked better. Yeah, yeah, because that that, 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 can sh- that can show the the you know more the darker nature of you know that Anakin's starting to show you know yeah 
I, I, I'd agree with that. Um, also, like, uh, a lot of people talk about how, now, it was a tall task for anyone, any Jedi, to um, take over and be the master of, of Anakin Skywalker, the Chosen One, but even just Anakin Skywalker in general. Um, but, uh, you know, and Obi-Wan may not have been the most qualified uh, when taking on Anakin as his apprentice. Um, but he did the best that he could. And a lot of people throw a lot of slack on um, on uh, Obi-Wan for basically the way he trained Anakin and, you know, not not mentoring him in the way that he maybe should have. But if you look at it, look at Attack of the Clones, which is, you know, one of the biggest like things that we have that shows, you know, the dynamic between uh, Master Kenobi and Padawan Skywalker. One, we don't have that much like time with them both, you know. But the time that we do see, like, there are a couple times where or Kenobi snaps at uh, Anakin. But most of it is in, like, because of how Anakin's been acting. So it's like, you know, like, the people talk about how uh, if Obi-Wan had just listened to Anakin and, you know, let him go after his mother, he would have, uh, you know, been able to save her. It's like, well, maybe. But, like, he wasn't necessarily putting down that, you know, he was having nightmares about his mother. It was more like, hey... You know, you got to be mindful of your thoughts. You know, he like, the lines like, "What be mindful of your thoughts? They betray you." You know, it's like I think at that point, Obi Wan knew that because of the connection to the Force that Anakin had, he knew that you know Force visions were something that Anakin would deal with a lot. And he was like, you know, Force visions are not what the future is going to be; it's what the f- future could be. So, like, you know, just be mindful of what you're seeing. Don't take it all as fact. And he may not have portrayed it in the best way, but like, you know, mm-hmm. we talked about this and in, in when we were talking about episode one. Yeah, Obi-Wan was not the first option for or the best option for for uh, training Anakin. But he didn't do as bad of a job as a lot of people give him credit for. Yeah. One, one thing that... Uh... I kind of picked up two of the movie. Like, it almost feels like Anakin acting out is a more recent thing. Like, I think Anakin's always been kind of like, you know, questioning and stuff or whatever. But it seems like Anakin more, you know, more acting out has been more recent. Just kind of the impression it gets you get in the movie. Um, but. Yeah, I, I still think Anakin, Obi Wan, Anakin, their dynamic is really interesting. Like I, said, I think, like I, I think we both agreed on that last 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 video or last uh, podcast we did on that. That yeah, Anakin or Obi Wan is not really the Obi Wan was a good Jedi Master, but not for Anakin. Yeah, well, well, the thing is, like, as far as Jedi go, like it is a widely believed and I think most most anyone in the fandom would probably agree that Obi-Wan was at this point in time one of the most powerful Jedi you know 
uh, uh, under, of course, the likes of Yoda, Mace Windu, and even Anakin to a certain degree. But he was like one of the top three. He was within the top five of most powerful Jedi at this point in time. Like, but not maybe not within Attack of the Clones time, probably more within the Revenge of the Sith time. But like he was powerful. He was knowledgeable. But with how little experience he had within taking on Anakin, you know. Yeah, yeah you, you don't you don't um, get on the you don't get on the Jedi Council without being a you know top tier. Yeah. Now talking about the the amount of the, how powerful a Jedi uh that um Kenobi was, let's talk about the uh in duel um between uh Dooku and Anakin Obi Wan. This was extremely quick, but let's talk about it real quick. Yes, I was. I, I did want to um, touch on this too. So, one thing I do want to point out too is, uh, not a lot of people realize is, you know, Obi Wan's considered like a really good, like uh, really skilled Jedi, but he never, he never, on screen, beat Dooku in a duel. Yeah, um, and yeah, I do have I do have some thoughts with that, but um, and, and not and I don't want to take anything away from from Dooku's sword skill, uh, but um, I've heard that uh, obviously Dooku was like one of the best swords duelists of that era, maybe you know ever, um, which is really really shown within. Episode two, like how quickly he dismantles Obi Wan and uh, Anakin. Like, even, I forgot how short that fight was. Even Anakin dual-wielding lightsabers, which which mo- to most uh, combatants would completely overwhelm them, but Dooku easily. I think a lot of it. I think a lot of it had to do with the fact that Anakin wasn't as skilled with dual wielding, but. Yeah, like yes, you say, it still it still usually would, would overpower someone, but Dooku's just that skilled. But Dooku easily disarmed Anakin. But yeah, he only like, had the second lightsaber for like maybe maybe thirty seconds at most. Yeah, but and well, then thirty seconds after that, he got disarmed. Literally, literally, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Also, what is it with Laughing Star Wars? Jokes. Also, what is it with Star Wars and dismembering its main characters? But I think part of that is the um like again like you're talking about with the um symbolism between like you know Jango Fett's jetpack getting uh or not functioning before he dies. I think part of that is uh you know like the duel at the end of the second movie. You know Anakin mm-hmm. loses his arm, and Luke in Empire his second movie. Yeah, the duel at the end of his second movie he loses his hand. You know, I think that's that's part of the symbolism there. Um, but, yeah, the, the, the duel there, like, it, it takes, you know, Yoda to actually finally, like, run him off. Well, run him off, yeah. and even with, well, even with that, I think Yoda probably could have handled Dooku. The reason that Yoda would have, quote unquote, lost in that fight is because of his compassion on the other two Jedi, you know, he yep. saved them, which gave Dooku time to run away. Uh, I do want to mention this, and I'm not saying, and this is this is something we can dive into with Episode Three, but I've heard it as a theory that um, 
when Dooku and Obi-Wan fight in episode three, um, that so like Jedi, you know, they have like that force field around them where essentially it makes it unless they're like tiers above each other, like it makes it really hard for another one to use force powers on like one. So like two Jedi who are about the same level of power can't go around force choking each other because like they have somewhat of a force barrier there. Like it, they can, but it's not that easily done. And I think uh-huh. at this point in time, within the Revenge of the Sith, I think Dooku and Kenobi were around the same level of force uh, ability. I think Obi Wan had gotten to that. Obviously, at this point in time, he was on the Council, so I think he was pretty powerful at that point. And at this point in time, being you know, uh, I don't, I don't know at what point uh, this was said, but. Um, Mace Windu said that, you know, uh, Obi-Wan was a master of Sorsu. And so I would assume at this point in time, he would be considered that. That all being said, uh, I've, I've seen a theory where um, people think that maybe Palpatine helped, you know, choking, breaking down that force barrier so that Dooku could basically get rid of Obi-Wan in the fight. I don't know if that's true or not. Um, a lot of people think, you know, the time where he's, uh, he kind of, they, they shoot back to Palpatine and he's like, you know, like grinning his teeth and like, you know, acting like he's getting in the fight, you know, like that, uh, might be the time where he's like kind of manipulating it with the force. Obviously, I don't know if that's true. And that doesn't, that doesn't change the fact that Obi-Wan never beat Dooku in a fight. Uh, I just think that's an interesting, uh, thing to mention. <clears throat> and I definitely think that, uh, Obi-Wan in Attack of the Clones was severely overmatched at that point. I mean, Dooku had been a Jedi Master in the Order for years and then, you know, has turned to the dark side and started unlocking new powers, so he was uh-huh. well out of Kenobi's class, but... Yeah, we'll, we'll we'll go through and break down the um, our thoughts on the Revenge of the Sith uh, fight scenes when, that, when the time comes, yeah. but uh, for now, yeah. I think... Oh, okay. Of the fight scenes in the prequel, or the duels in the prequels, this one is kind of underwhelming. Mm-hmm. Just because it was so quick. Even the, um, even the Yoda and Dooku was really quick. Yeah. But, I do, I do think it is, it is a good duel, because the, the, the choreography is great, and like I said, you, you get to see, you get to actually see uh, Dooku actually, you know, like, you know, you get to see how, how skilled he is with a, um, with the lightsaber, because, you know, you know, he, he disarms and defeats a Jedi Knight who, you know, been a Jedi Knight for ten years, and he also, and at, at this time, Anakin was at the same, kind of at the same position that uh, Obi-Wan was in The Phantom Menace. You know he mm-hmm. he's he's a technically a Padawan, but he's pretty much ready to take the trials because you know we also see it that he does take the trials and becomes a Jedi Knight between the end of Attack of the Clones and the beginning of uh, Clone Wars. Yeah. So you know, and and that that's you know th- that that time gap can't be any more than a year. It's it's probably it's probably less than six months. Yeah. 
So, you know, he, he was ready to take the trials then. So, you know, he, he for, for all in, intents and purposes, he was also, you know, the same level as a Jedi Knight would be. So, you know, Dooku effectively fights two Jedi Knights to a standstill, and he also, you know, he also holds his own against the, you know, Grand Master of the Jedi Order. Yeah. That, I mean, like you're saying, it is a it is a little bit of a letdown as far as duels go in in Star Wars and especially in the prequels. But yeah, it just shows. And I think it was good that it showed the power that Dooku had. Like, yeah, he he is known to be a one of the best swords duelists in in the galaxy at that point in time, and he easily dismantles them. Like, um, there was a during the um uh fight that Obi-Wan and Django were having on um on um Camino. Ka- yeah. Got the name of it. Uh, I can't remember I that was thinking, I, was, <laughs> I don't know, it's just tough. Um <laughs> but uh but during during that fight I was watching it and, and my what thought that came to mind was both of these these guys like Django was a Mandalorian and he had been raised from birth to basically fight. So he's been trained from birth. Obi-Wan is a Jedi. He has been trained from birth. I was like, these, these are two very skilled fighters going hand to hand at each other. And you see that, you know, coming into the, the fight with, with Dooku. It's like, these are, these are skilled fighters here and they lose within seconds. Like Obi-Wan, told Anakin, you know, he's like, I can't do this without you. We have to we have to do this together. And even if they had done it together, I doubt that it would have really been much of a fight. Like I think Dooku would have still easily took them apart. Just because of how much better he was than them at that point in time. And yeah. even aside from that, even if he was overwhelmed with the amount of power that they they brought to him, I think because of the fact that he was that much older and wiser than them, I think he would have been able to outwit them with like battle strategy and like separated them to be able to defeat them. But, um, like, I, I think that the shortness of the fight just is just, just as a show to the amount of power he has. And the fact that, uh, you know, he even makes a statement when him and Yoda start battling, they're like, uh, he says, uh, you know, it, it seems that our, our power, our knowledge of the force, you know, we're not going to be able to, to, to have an outcome here with, the, with our knowledge of the force. So they pull out their lightsabers. Yoda's the grand master and Dooku is rivaling him with his power in the force. Like, mm. say and something, also, you know. And it's also kind of interesting too, like, uh, a lot of people pointed out, like, Dooku never had the yellow Sith eyes. Mm-hmm. And, you know, a lot of people point to that saying, like, you know, he wasn't really that, or he didn't really use the dark side that much because of that. You know, because people who, who use the dark side a lot had the yellow, you know, the yellow eyes. So, you know, even if you think of it that way, too, like, so he was just using the Force the same, to the same capacity that a Jedi would. And, yeah. I mean, obviously he obviously he did use Force Lightning, which is traditionally considered a Sith power. Um... But still, you know, we, but even like was... if you look at the, 
if you look at the character of Dooku, like he is traditionally less ruthless of a character compared to a lot of the other Sith, you know. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Like he like uh like it's mentioned in, in this one where Padme uh, accuses him of being um the you know one over over the assassination attempts uh um it mentioned it's like you know he's he's a political idealist not a murderer you know it's like he's very much seen more in the eyes of like a political figure than he is as a, a warrior and, no, no. or yeah, I think du- I think Dooku was a politician at this point and that's one thing I did I kind yeah. of dislike with his portrayal in the Clone Wars because in the in the Clone Wars he was kind of portrayed as like this like scheming uh like mastermind or whatever but no he he was Dooku was supposed to be a politician well he was a count for a reason yeah you know count Count yeah. Sereno I believe is what it's called mm-hmm. yeah <laughs> like I said he he was a he was a politician first and. Mm. Yeah. Also, one thing I want to point out too is I kind of wonder. So when he was talking to Obi Wan, when when he had them up, uh, um, when he had him in the like cell or whatever, you know, uh, Incredible style, you know, um, <laughs> mm-hmm. um, but uh, no, when he was you know he was talking to him, you know, he was talking about uh. You know, like, but basic, basically the same thing that uh, Vader had said to Luke. You know, like, basically, like, you know, join me and we can defeat the Dark Lord over the um, Republic or whatever. You know, like, it's kind of interesting. Like, even then, like, I know that's kind of the natural order of the way Sith work is. You know, the um apprentice tries to is constantly trying to overthrow the master and become you know, become the master himself. But uh, like even then, like. Dooku was, I still feel like Dooku was still trying to actually do good by the galaxy. Like, you know, you know, he was actually still trying yeah. to, you know, bring, you know, bring order to the Republic and actually make it, you know. Well, you know, within, he, but, within the movies, that's the way it's portrayed is that he really wants to bring order to the galaxy and like actual order. Like he wants to bring down the Republic but it's because of the corruption. Whereas, like what you were saying with the Clone Wars, like he is portrayed as the, you know, more military genius, like scheming up, and like you, you see a bunch of the worlds that he's conquered, in and it, and like the Separatists are very much portrayed as the bad guys, and for good reason. Like they'd come in and they destroy places, and like I don't think that would have ever been what Dooku would have actually wanted, but it was the way that he was portrayed in the mm-hmm. Clone Wars, you know. But you know, you also have to realize too, like the um the in in the prequels, every time people mention like corruption in the Senate, they have a point because this that Senate is the same Senate that became the Imperial Senate. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you don't, you, you can't forget that the that you know they didn't dismember or dismantle the re- government of the Republic. The Republic became the Empire. Yeah. Well, the only difference was that the uh, the Emperor had supreme control. I mean, yes, but still, you, you get what I'm saying, though. You know, so so the every accusation of the Republic being corrupt was true. 
Oh yeah, I mean it was. And, you know, I'm not. I'm not saying that. Uh, you know, I'm not saying that Dooku and the Separatists were right because obviously, you know, murdering and killing a bunch of people is not right. But they still had a point. You know. Yeah, I mean, it's it's like uh, you know when you get radical with your ideas and you think that going around and like killing people is like the the best way to get your point across. It's like, well, no, that's not how you do that. Like that there you you don't you don't cross the line of being civil just to get your point across like you know well, and that's, actually, that's actually, very much what they did actually when you think about it like you know um I know we're getting a little bit into episode 3 here but uh with uh Padme and Bail Organa they both kind of had that same idea of yeah the senate is incredibly corrupt mm-hmm. but we're going to try to do this we're going to try to fix it the legal way. Yeah. By actually serving in the Senate. Um, but you know, or as like you just said, like the the um separatists still ha- had that same idea, but they took it to a radical extreme of yeah, let's go try to go to war and try to fix it that way, you know. But see and the problem is is when you do it like that, and this is not just in a Star Wars scenario, like this is like real world that real world stuff kind of but when you do it in that way where you try and push your ideas on someone with force, well, the end result can never be good. Like, if you do it and you have civil discussions like you were, you would in the way that Padme and Senator Organa would be doing it within the Senate, like, you can come to conclusions that best suit everyone. Whereas if you do it by force, someone, like, there's you're going to leave someone unhappy. You know, like it's going to mm-hmm. hurt someone in the process. Like war is never a good thing. And even if you're pushing ideas that are good for the, you know, in this case, like good for the galaxy. Yeah, maybe it's good for the galaxy. But how many war torn worlds are you causing to suffer because you think your idea is that much better than what's already in place? It might be, but you're causing a lot of problems in the process. Yeah. Also, one thing that I want to point out too that uh, I I realize that like I understand why the original trilogy wasn't this way, but it makes no sense why the sequel trilogy was this way too. But like the The prequels are the only tri- are only, only movies that actually make the galaxy seem lived in. Because mm. like you, you look yeah. at it, like I guess it's because it's most like it it's the only one that takes place in the core worlds. But like you you look at like uh you know the original trilogy takes place mostly in the outer rim, which conceptually makes sense because you know the rebellion would start in the outer rim. It wouldn't start in the capital. You know. Yeah. Um. So you know, make it makes sense, you know, like that. And also, you know, you also realize you have to realize the time. You know, they didn't have special effects or whatever. So you know, if they had, if they wanted to have, you know, people to make it seem like it was like the galaxy was like more lived in, it would have to be like actual, you know, all extras. You know, they had no CGI or anything. But it makes no sense in sequels that like the galaxy is very like empty. Like almost every planet they go to is empty. It makes no sense. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. Like and I, I said even like I said even with that with the um original trilogy, they had uh um like times when they went to like you know actual civilization like they went to Bespin which seems lived in mm-hmm. you know yeah, so, it was and, uh, pretty yeah even even on indoor they you know Ewoks you know there's tons of Ewoks everywhere but you know like I said it just seemed kind of weird seems kind of weird to me the way the way that works um. I I've seen the the prequels or the sequels so little that I uh, can't speak on that, but that is true. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Um. I'm trying to think, have we not talked about anything in Attack, in Attack of the Clones? I'm sure there's plenty we haven't talked about, but uh, I don't really know much. Obviously, the clones. (laughs) Um, That's true. I was thinking about that, and and I didn't know how much we wanted to dive into the actual clones, but um, they are the main focal point of the movie. So that's that's one thing like uh, that I'm glad they did more with in the Clone Wars was actually give the clones like more identity. Because mm-hmm. in this, like, in, uh, this movie, they didn't even have names. None of them had names. Yeah. They were just... No, so you don't... They didn't even mention any of them. I mean... Like, they were just this fighting force. And so, like, I think they only addressed them by the rank. And that was only, like, yeah. twice. Yeah. Um, I mean... I mean, it kind of makes did, sense, but I mean, then again, they did just meet the clones, but still, yeah, yeah. But um, um I will say it is kind of cool. Like as as time has gone on, like obviously when you watch these movies for the first time, and like when they first came out, you know, the Clone Wars and all those things weren't out yet, and so it is kind of cool. Like, oh, this is your first introduction. We don't know what what all is going on with this. We don't know all the details of everything, but it is kind of cool to see, like, I mean, in all honesty, this movie was written off of line from episode four, when Obi-Wan says, I fought with your father in the Clone Wars. Like, you know, like, it's kind of cool, you know, that this is, what what we got of of that but it's like you know we we did like i obviously didn't have to live through it which is kind of nice because now i have all this stuff at my fingertips uh you know lore and stuff like that was like you know there's so little known about these clone troopers these these this fighting force and you know they kind of come out of nowhere and you know are here and everyone's like well what's what's going on what what what's their deal and then you know, now we got the Clone Wars show, which fleshes them out a lot more, and Bad Batch has dropped back into a little bit more of of some of the stuff um, with the clones and kind of talking about talking about them. And there's also, other other source material that's come out since then with with you know some of the stuff with the clones, and it's pretty cool. Also, one thing I realized when, when watching this is from uh, just realize it from uh. Like after watching Bad Batch and 
rebels is uh so the, the two main planets in this like or that they go to in this uh or two of the main planets they go to in in this movie are Camino and Geonosis. Mm-hmm. The Empire killed off almost mm-hmm. all the Kaminoans and all the Geonosians. Mm-hmm. Yep. It's like you know, you're like that's uh you, you do get a you do get a much better glimpse of just how evil the empire is in the shows. Mm-hmm. And yeah. you know, even even rebels being made for kids, like you you get that like the the empire, you know, committed mass genocide against the Geonosians. It's like mm-hmm. yeah, that's uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. That that is that is in rebels, right? Because um, I yes. saw something the other day where it's talking about uh. What that last that last Geonosian uh like click clack or whatever. And uh I remember seeing it, but I couldn't remember what it was from. That's from Rebels though, okay. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Um I yeah, I've it's... seen it through, but it's been a while since I watched Rebels, so Yeah. Also, um I just kinda like how they did it so like, even then we get the like plans for the Death Star and Yes. I thought that was cool. Mm. I mean, what is it? At the end of Revenge of the Sith, they show a partially built Death Star. Yeah, I think, or something like that. They they started means... construction on Death Star, but also think yeah. about this too. Think about this too. The, that that station took twenty years to build. Yeah. Well, it would have been probably a little bit more because. They were starting to build it, but they had some of the pieces put together at that point, so probably 25 or more. Yeah, maybe. And then you gotta think about how quote-unquote quickly they did it to Return of the Jedi. Now, oh, no, the, the Death, when you think about it, the Death Star 2 would have had to have been like, insanely fast building it, because, like I said, it took them, you know, around 20 years to build, to build the first Death Star. Mm-hmm. And then Death Star Two was much bigger, and it wasn't you know, you know, it wasn't finished at that point. But like I said, it was much bigger, and uh, you know, the laser and stuff like pretty much state of the art technology with the um super laser. Yeah, it yeah, it, it they got it up a lot quicker, but um yeah, <clears throat> but yeah, that that was a nice little Easter egg that they had, um. With, with showing the, uh, the Death Star plans and like even showing that like, you know, all these, these pieces have been in, in place and in play for a lot longer than you would think, you know? Like, Uh obviously, like the Sith, the Sith for generations had been planning and plotting their, their revenge against the Jedi. But, like, that even aside from it, the amount of planning that specifically Sidious had in planning the the defeat of the Jedi and then just after it, having his own, you know, the, his own domination of, of the debt of the universe, like, mm. was so detailed and so meticulous that, like, it, it was, he, he had been, 
He'd been planning it for a minute. Oh yeah, Cities is a takeover of like I think we mentioned. I think we mentioned that uh, when we talked about the Phantom Menace. It's just you real like we watching it. I realize how scheming and like mm-hmm. how like manipulative he was even from the beginning. Yeah. Now I know a lot of the stuff from uh like the Plagueis novel or is is no longer canon. I don't know how much of it is still and is still not. It probably depends on what they go back to and what they don't. Um Plagueis seemingly had some stuff to do with the a bit of it. Not to take anything away from Sidious. Sidious obviously was very, very like a very smart man. Um but uh there are like certain things when I was listening to it that I was like, oh, you know, that's that's kind of cool that they, you know, they they give that to someone, you know, that credit to someone else behind the scenes of even behind uh, Sidious. But um, that being uh, beside the point, I had some that was kind of funny from it. There was a point in it where um, Plagueis tells Sidious about his first, uh, like the first time he went and like killed somebody or something. Like his master sent him out to kill someone, and uh, he force choked the the guy that he he was killing um and he in that moment when he's telling Sidious that he starts force choking um uh Alpatine and you know just slightly and at that point after that that, that it's done uh, Palpatine says to himself he's like at after that time I'm no longer gonna let my guard down like I'm never gonna trust anyone and he doesn't for the most part. And then, and then, uh, he lets his guard down just slightly when it comes to, uh, when it comes to, um, uh, him dying from his apprentice, you know, because <laughs> he's so focused on, uh, Luke, he lets his guard down enough so that Vader can throw him over the, um, throw him over the, uh, regard rails. That's what I was looking for. So one thing, uh, that I don't, I have, I've never, I haven't read it, but I know the story, basic like story of the Plagueis novel. One thing I don't like mm-hmm. about it is the fact that it does have Plagueis living up until, um, Palpatine becomes Supreme Chancellor. Because you know the the way it explains that is that uh, Darth Maul was just like a Sith assassin or whatever, wasn't mm-hmm. an actual Sith, you know, yeah. was an actual Sith Lord, which I don't like. You you know he had the title Darth. He was a Sith Lord. You know. Yeah. And maybe that's just been me being nitpicky, but you know. I mean, I feel like with the amount of play that Plagueis had, like it makes sense for the story. But I do. I will say that that like what you're saying with the fact that Darth Maul was, in fact, Darth Maul. Um, you know, he should have, I mean, everyone knows that the rule of two was, for as much as it was followed, it really wasn't, like, there were a bunch of other apprentices, like, everyone had a apprentice of some kind, like, masters had more than one, usually, and, you know, apprentices would find their own, and, like, stuff like that. Well, like, like you look, you look at, uh, um... Dooku and Asajj Ventress. Yeah, but like I said, you know, basically it was comparing, you know, basically the way the way the Plagueis novel 
kind of explains it, is that, you know, like, uh, Maul was pretty much the same thing. It was, was pretty much an assassin like Ventress was. But, like I said, again, Maul had the title Darth, whereas Ventress didn't. So. Yeah. You know. That's. It is a little off, and I think that's probably one reason why, you know, it, it's, you know, they, they, besides the fact that it's legends, they, they don't have it as canon anymore. Um, but, uh, I mean, like, Plagueis was pretty instrumental in, in, uh, bringing Palpatine to, uh, To his, um, you know, power. I mean, you could even make the case that, well, uh, well, I guess I think with the way the Plagueis novel goes about saying it, I think Palpatine ended up killing Plagueis around the same time that Maul was killed. Yep. Cause I was gonna give him the benefit of the doubt saying, well, maybe it was like, you know, he died midway through the movie and then, you know, then Palpatine gave Maul the title of Darth and then he died at the hands of Obi-Wan Kenobi, but I guess that wouldn't, that, that wouldn't make sense with the way they did it. Yeah. But, uh, um, um another thing I want, this is off topic again too, from, uh, well, both Plagueis and the, um, and Attack of the Clones, but, uh, so, you know, Dave Filoni is making a movie. Mm-hmm. A Star Wars movie. And, the um apparently they just really he re- released the name of the movie and it got like uh so I know you probably haven't read them but do you know the you know the um the Thrawn trilogy of books yeah yeah so the first one is called Heir to the Empire and mm-hmm. that's that's the name that uh Fil- the Filoni movie is gonna be called well I saw that they were um. They were bringing out the cast for um, Thrawn and then Ezra Bridger. Yeah, but no. When, when he announced like heir to the Empire, I'm like, oh. Well, they need like, to go into a Thrawn trilogy because that that would be one really big thing to re- revive, at least movie wise, the Star Wars fans. I mean, Thrawn has always been a cool character within Star Wars, and you know they brought him in with the um, Rebel show, but you know he's still. Mm-hmm. Out there and can be brought back. Mm-hmm. But like, that's one thing I like about the character of Thrawn from the books, at least, is I, ne- I need to get those books and read them. Um, but that's one thing I like about the character because you know, like through most of Star Wars, we see like the villain is like able to fight the hero through through their power, but Thrawn mm-hmm. is for you know. Thrawn is really just like physically, he's just a normal dude. But yeah. he is able to like, you know, he's able to be a threat to Luke, and you know, the other Jedi in the story, because he is so, just so like, you know, he's a tactical genius. You know, that's, that's why he's so, you know such a threat is because he, he of his intellect, his mind. He's not, you know, he's not a physical threat, but he's a, um. Uh, I'm just blanking on the word. 
It's contagious, Wesley. <laughs> you, you just said tactical genius, and, and I'm just going to stick with that. Yeah, okay. That works. Yeah. <laughs> you probably um, had another yeah. board in mind, but... Yeah, but he, he's, my, threat uh, because, he's a threat because of the intellect, not because of his uh, yeah. physical. Is, is my... Uh, is my um, mind numbingness uh, uh, getting all getting toward uh, come going towards you now? I guess yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's not my fault. Well, it kind of is. Well, uh, yeah, but I mean, you should be you should be um, you should be less susceptible to it. Well, for no reason, just be, you just should be. Well, you should just be better. Well, I can only be so much. Yeah, true. Can't hold yeah, you to unrealistic exactly. standards. Exactly. All right. Well, we've pretty much uh, we've gotten way off topic about uh, attack of the clowns. So I, I think we I, covered about what we we can with that. I, I, I reckon we're pretty much done. It's also been an hour and fifteen minutes. So yeah, yeah. So yeah, let's move on to what's new with you. What's new? What's new? What's new? What's new with me? What's new? What's new with me? Yeah! So, Wesley, what is new with you? You know, the problem is not as much if I have or haven't done anything recently to tell you something that's new with me. The problem actually is me remembering what I've done. Yeah. Yeah, that's, that's, uh,. Yeah, I have been playing a lot of close. I have been playing a lot of Fallout. Um I say that's a good. lot a lot more than I have been. Um <clears throat> Let's see. I think I I last I played I was I just finished in um Diamond City and I was headed out to get the detective. Okay. So I'm I'm deep within the the mine. I'm in. I've already gotten into the um the Fallout base or whatever they call them. The the shelter. I've already gotten into that, and I think I'm on the last little bit of having to get through the guards that they have out there. Um, but I am very low on ammunition, and I'm very low on health, and I love getting myself into these situations. Yeah, um Yeah, there's a lot to that game. Yeah. Well the thing that I found is that it's it's not always about like I get frustrated when I die a lot, but sometimes I'll do things and like as I die, you know, let's say I get a little bit farther at a point and I see, oh hey, there's a better way I could have done that. I like start to develop my strategy. Like I was uh um, when you're, when you're helping out the, um, Minutemen, your first mission is to go help this, the, these people. And when you get there, they say that they're having trouble with some raiders and that their hideout base is, you know, this, um, factory over there. And I went in there at one point and I, I died, you know, first three or four times going in. Cause I just get overwhelmed with, with, uh, you know, raiders coming at me. And then eventually I realized that, you know, if I came in through this certain way and I picked off, you know, the 
snipers they had up on their roof or something like that and then kind of came in this you know kind of i figured out a route how i could get into the base without you know with taking the least amount of damage and wasting the least amount of ammunition and it's like but it, it took some time to figure out that strategy <laughs> a lot of deaths get there i'm i'm by no means the the best when it comes to video games but um i just don't play them enough i don't think I get it done. I get it done eventually. But yeah, fall, uh, yeah, I remember when I did that stuff. The 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 Minutemen quests get kind of annoying after a while, but I left that. Fun. I didn't. I never reported back, and uh, I just went headed straight on to Diamond City because I, I really right now like I wanna I wanna just finish the main quest quest of the of the game like the main point of the game and once i get that finished i might come back and play some of the side stuff but like for now it's i'm getting through the main storyline because i have like 50 other games lined up that i'm trying to play yeah yeah luckily it's not as uh fallout 4 i don't think it's as long as some of the other fallout games the main story isn't but yeah, it's, it's. You said it was like what, like twenty hours, something like that, maybe thirteen. Uh, no, I think it was in the teens. No, Fallout Four is a little bit longer. Is longer than that. Um, you gave a runtime, and you said it wasn't that long. I'm only like maybe four or five hours in, uh, time wise, I think. But um, you gave a time that wasn't that that long twenty seven hours twenty seven okay yeah twenty seven yeah I'm like in the first maybe five hours of it or something like that so yeah. maybe um, I can get it finished by September yeah I think the thing that you really that I mentioned Oh, go ahead. The thing you're thinking of that I mentioned was 13 was Outer Worlds. The Outer Worlds. Maybe. That's, all, that's also a pretty good game, but like you said, you already um, have a long list of games to get through. Long list of games to play through. Um, which, even if I do finish this by September, I don't really see how that helps me with the newest Bethesda game coming out in September because it's not like I'm going to play it right then. I, I still, I still, still see that flaw in your argument. Well, no, I was just saying that because uh, so we could uh, try to ride that algorithm. You know, the new Bethesda game coming out, so we can talk about something Bethesda. That's, that's why we talked about, true, true, about true. Uh, so you know more relevant stuff. So I, that's why I was just saying that so we could talk about something relevant. That's that's fair. That's fair. And I guess uh, if it's just come out, I can I can uh, watch some of the first stuff of it and maybe know a little bit about the game mm. before everyone dives into it too much. Mm. It's going to be a while. That one comes out. Mm. Yeah, that that one comes out on the series, right? The um yeah, it's series. Whatever the new one is. Yeah. So, wouldn't be able to get it anyways. Now, you, do you do you have you 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 upgraded to the series, right? Cuz you you got more than Xbox 1. You still have the uh well, you don't have the Xbox One. You have one of the later versions, right? 
I have a one S, yeah. One S, okay. But you're still, I guess, a generation behind what yeah. what's needed for these newer games. Yeah, the naming conventions for Xbox is so retarded. Yes, I, mean, I think we've talked about this a little bit before. Yeah, yeah. So you know, they it's, go from the Xbox to the Xbox 360, which fair enough, and then the Xbox One. But then the Xbox yeah. One has, you know, the three different versions. They have the the VCR version like you have, and they had the Xbox uh, Xbox One S and the Xbox One X, which one is HD, one's 4K. And then the new, you know, the, the next generation, they decided to go with the Xbox Series S and Series X. Like that's not going to get confusing. <laughs> yeah. Xbox is going to be doing what they do. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Also, um, since we talked about it last, last time, uh, I think it was two weeks ago we were talking about handhelds. Mm-hmm. Did you see uh, PlayStation release or uh, release the um, or announce their new uh, handheld? I did not. I don't, I don't even, I don't even know. That. I don't even know what it's going to be called, but it's literally going to be just for um streaming like just streaming, streaming. Your, just streaming your PS5 to the device it's not its own console you have to, you have to have a PS5 to play it see we were, we were talking about this and we even warned them uh, come on y'all stupid it's 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 stupid so wait, the looks of this, and I don't know how much of this is just Photoshop or how much of this is actual what their design would be, but it looks like just like a PlayStation controller with like a a big, uh, like a small tablet in it. Yeah, pretty right. much. That's, that's pretty much exactly what they're doing. Yeah, it's that's dumb. Yeah, it's it's so dumb. See, like, I get streamings. I get streamings a big okay. thing now. But that that's the dumbest thing. Like you'd make you a whole lot more do, money off you, of it. If you have a PS5 already, you can literally download the PlayStation app on your phone, use your PlayStation 5 controller on your phone, and play on your phone. It does the yeah. same thing. <clears throat> it, it's like look, I would I would be fine even if it was just for cloud gaming. Like that would be kind of cool. Yeah. As long as you could do it. Separate from having to have the actual console, but yeah, yeah. If it was, you know, if it was cloud gaming where you could, like, you know, like you pull up all the games you own on a PlayStation and play them remotely without having to download them, as long See, as you have. The you thing know, is, people should should take take notes when Nintendo released the Wii U and realized that it did not work. Like, people don't want a device to go with the device. Especially when they have to pay hundreds upon hundreds of dollars, maybe even thousands of dollars for it. They want a device that can be its own thing. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, because that's, that's what, when they released the Wii U, everyone, well, everyone actually thought it was something similar to what Sony's actually releasing with this. Um, they thought it was a, like, tablet thing that goes, that pairs with, with your Wii. But no, it was its own console. 
and you it's not even like on the go thing like even even people yeah. who knew it was its own console thought it was something more similar to like a Wii, to like the Switch. Yeah, but no, yeah, yeah, yeah. But at least with this, you can you can uh, you know go out and about. But again, you can literally download the PlayStation app on your phone and stream to your phone, and it does the same thing. Now, so you said this is something you can go out and about and do stuff like separate from your. From your um, PlayStation, no, no, I it, guess it's kind of similar. So it's it, kind of it, similar to like the Xbox app. Yes, it does that. Okay, so way. like you still have to have it, but you don't necessarily have to have it. No, you it's get what I'm basically, saying. Basically, you can play your PS5 on the go. Yeah, but still, you have to buy this on top of the PS5, and this is probably going to be a couple hundred bucks. You know, yeah, probably at least five or six, because they price gouge everything. You know, when a um, when a PS5 controller is like I think seventy bucks, you know, it's the same thing as that, plus the screen and everything. So you know, they're, they're yeah, yeah. Well, hopefully it works out for them, but I don't know. I mean, like you said, when you can just use your phone and they have they have things that you can basically turn your own device into that. Like, like I said, um, if you already have a PS5, you already have a PS5 controller. You can get a clip for I'm even saying outside of that. But what I'm saying is you can get a clip for less than 20 bucks that clips your Mm -hmm. control, your phone to your controller, download the PlayStation app and you have the same thing right there. (laughs) And even if you wanted to go a little bit farther than that, you can buy the, like, things that go around and, like, where your phone's, the screen is still in the middle. You can buy that for pretty cheap, too. Like. Yep. Yep. And it, and it would work exactly the same. Yeah. This, this might be turning into a David Rance more so than, <laughs> what's new with you, but, uh. <laughs> hey, whatever works. <laughs> yeah. Um, maybe we should have done that. Eh, it is what it is, but yeah. Um, too late to go back. It's so... hmm. I said too late to go back now. Yeah, but yeah, it, it is so dumb that they do, they do that instead of the actual handheld console. Yeah, it is, it is funny though that we were just talking about that, and then they released this. Mm. They were like. We heard you. Here, this is just to spite you. Yeah. Um, they definitely did not, but but we're just gonna pretend like they did. Yeah. Well, I got my switch. I pretty happy with that. I wish you could run better games, but you know, it is what it is. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, the Switch is pretty cool. I think it's a it's a good uh, good system. I'm just, but, uh, to, I'm just waiting them for, for them to put the original uh, Battlefront two on there. They've got a bunch of other classic Star Wars games. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it it'll probably come with time. Yeah, I mean, like you said, well, they got the other ones on there, so. 
a lot of people are thinking that a Switch is near nearing the end of its lifespan, so I don't know. Hmm. Because it's been it like six, it's, just... it's been six years, and that's generally about the time that a Nintendo or time gap Nintendo releases con- new consoles. So, I mean, if they come out with something that's better, maybe. But like, I don't know. Like, you you think about it. Like, it's it's kind of gotten to the point where, like, you know, the Switch is the the big thing nowadays. Like, yeah, everyone plays Xbox and everyone plays PlayStation, but, like, the Switch is still the big thing. It might have been six years, but I feel like it took a little while for it to get to the point where, like, everyone had one and everyone was playing it, you know? So, it, it might be, and if they come out with something else, then sure, but... Well, that's the thing about the Nintendo, because the, um, like, you know, all the exclusives on Nintendo, I guess, like, Nintendo is one of those one things that, uh, whether you're a PlayStation or an Xbox fanboy or whatever, you know, most people have one of those consoles and, uh, Nintendo. Yeah. Well, see, Nintendo just needs to, um... To buy out everyone else, and then they can just capitalize That's not the market. Nah. I, and one, I don't think Nintendo would care enough, and two, I don't know if they have the the money to do that. Also, if uh, they wouldn't let Xbox buy Activision, they're not going to let Nintendo buy everything else. <laughs> yeah. I mean, hey, if at some point someone has the money to do so, I mean. Money is the biggest deciding factor, but I don't think Nintendo has the that deep wallets to be able or that deep pockets to be able to do that at this point in time, despite how big of a you know a system they are, um, business they are, and two, I don't think Nintendo cares enough to to do that. Yeah, Nintendo just kind of seems content with just doing their own thing and ignoring everything everything else. Yeah, basically. Yeah. And that's fair. Yeah. Alrighty, well, you got any... Nope, go ahead. What's new new with you is it really become just like us getting off topic for 20 to 30 minutes? We made what's new with you just so we could get off topic. Our brains were so fried from having to stay on topic for such a long period of time that we were like, we need And we don't even stay on topic that well. (laughs) Well, I mean, we stay on topic a little bit better. Well, okay, I will say we at least stuck stuck with Star Wars this episode. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, we usually stick with Star Wars when we're talking about Star Wars. Um, We usually stick with whatever topic. It's just we talk about, like, Marvel or Star Wars or something like that, and we usually can easily get off topic within that same universe. Um, yeah. But David, you do realize that this podcast is is essentially us talking and our conversations have never been on topic. No. No. Never. So, I mean, if if people want to listen to us talk, then that's their own choices and it's going to be a little bit chaotic. That's their own mistakes, yep. Yeah, so I just hope that they they choose to keep making those mistakes. 
Yeah. Yeah, it, it, it's, it, it's a mistake to listen to us, but uh, please keep listening to us. <laughs> yes, yes, please. Yeah. Well, David, you have anything else to add? No, my brain's fried. <laughs> Good. My brain's been fried. I can tell. Yep. Alright, well. If it's fine with you, let's uh move on to an outro. It is fine with me. Let's do that. Well, explorers, that's all the time we have for today. We hope you enjoyed this week's episode. Let us know what you thought in the comments down below. Or you can DM us on Instagram at downloadavitrailyt. And be sure to join us next week on the Trailcast. <laughs>